Hi guys, welcome to episode 8 of Now Accepting Offers. The story continues. We've not quite yet been picked up yet by Netflix, but it's not for the want of trying. Joe, how are you this week, bud? Yeah, I'm very well. It's getting there. I'm telling you, it's definitely getting there. Yeah, absolutely. And we, what we always like to do at the start of every episode is, you know, just get the brain working a little bit and try and think of some ideas. I've got a little challenge for you again this week, bud. Um, you know, it always helps. Yeah, okay. Uh, what are we talking? Well, I've been watching a lot of movies recently, and I've watched a lot of stuff on Disney+. And what I've realised is that a lot of films are made better when an adaptation is done by the Muppets. Okay, that is a very specific thought. Yeah, very. I mean, Treasure Island's a bit boring. You throw in the Muppets, it's amazing. Christmas Carol, a bit boring. You throw in the Muppets, amazing. You're absolutely right there. To be fair... I don't think the inclusion of the Muppets has ever made a story worse. Agreed. So, my challenge for you this week is to take a film that is already well-known, shall we say? doesn't have to be the most popular. And let's just see if we can do a re-adaptation for the Muppets. Okay. Um, Now, stop me if you think this is a mad idea. I think the Muppets have, they've been a bit too tame. Mm. I think there's some modern classics that could really do with an update. Big time. So I'm thinking, are you familiar with the works of Stephen King? Yes, I am familiar with Stephen King. I'm saying uh, the Shawshank Redemption. But with the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> and again, stop me. We need, like, uh, of course, we're going to have an entirely Muppets cast. We need Michael Caine. There has to be one character in the film who is portrayed by a human because otherwise it loses all of its touch. But you're going to throw in Michael Caine into the Shawshank. Yeah, I think Andy Dufresne. <laughs> and, and Andy Duquesne. Andy if, Duquesne. If you will. Nice, nice. So there's a plethora of characters that need sorting out here. Red, Morgan Freeman's character in the original film. Great, the narrator. And who is your go-to Muppets narrator? Mm. <laughs> yeah, God damn right, it's Kermit the Frog. <laughs> Kermit the Frog being the weird, like, fence going, oh, go. yeah, I can get you the rock out of <laughs> <laughs> What's the picture? Is it Marilyn Monroe? <laughs> it's some pinup girl. It's yeah. not Marilyn Monroe, but yeah, I reckon Kermit could source that. And you get the. You, there's a lot of harrowing stuff that happens. Oh, here. yeah. Like, I'm not going to fully describe what happens, but what I will say is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I. I'd love to see the sisters left. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the infamous yeah. sister scene. I'd love to see the sisters left uh, Michael Caine alone. But <laughs> this is not, ain't no fairy tale. <laughs> that would be, yeah, that would be worth it just for that one scene. Oh, and there, there's just gold within it. Yeah, you need more than Kermit, of course. Yeah, so the, oh, I can't remember his name, but the prison officer mm-hmm. who... 
you realize how holds uh Dufresne over the prison walls like you say I don't trust my wife. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe on the lesser known Muppets characters. Sam Eagle. Sam Eagle, yeah. Very, very rare character, but I know exactly who you mean. He's a big he, blue guy with the nose. Yeah, he's an absolute hard nut to crack. Yeah. Weirdly, Great prison warden. Weirdly enough though, according to the CBS Muppet website. Apparently, head of marketing for the Muppets yeah. is a real thing that can be checked out. Uh, I don't recommend you do it because it will make you envious of a Muppet's job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what about some other peripheral characters then? Because there's a lot of Muppets there. You've only given me two, so who else are you thinking? So I'm thinking for... Oh, God, and I cannot remember the name of the old guy, but he... Uh, He's in charge of the library, and he gets let on parole, and you get a little bit of a monologue that he does. Back when I was, uh, before I was in prison, there weren't no cars, and now there's cars on every street. Oh, the guy who just hates the fact that things have become modern. Yeah, he's kind of a bit institutionalised, and unfortunately, uh, he starts working at a supermarket, bagging groceries, but even more unfortunately does the incredibly heartbreaking scene of hanging himself uh, and carving his name into the uh, into the support beam. Maybe Beaker. Beaker, yeah. Beaker walking down uh, old American street, and instead of the beautiful <laughs> monologue you get, it's just him going... <laughs> Me, 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 And this is a... I fully agree this is in poor taste, but... How the fuck does Beaker hang himself? Very true. Look at yeah, yeah. The guy's got no neck. Or he's all neck. He is all neck, yeah. He's all, all neck up until his head. <laughs> the Rolling Stones once sang. <laughs> Lovely. Okay, well... I like that, mate. I'm a big fan of that. I've got some ideas for myself as well, which is the main reason I brought you into this little game this week. Okay. You've had something pre-prepared. I have something pre-prepared, and I'm just going to lay it out now in, in all its glory. Are you familiar with the Jerry Bruckheimer production starring Nicolas Cage, Conair? Yes. Yeah. Conair is a fantastic film already. But with the Muppets involved, it would be fucking incredible. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to talk you through the plot a little bit. Cameron Poe, played by Nick Cage, is a military man. He meets his wife in a bar after a tour. They have a little lovely old time. For some reason, some thugs threaten him and mm. they want to like bang his wife because she's ridiculously hot. This leads to Poe telling him to fuck off, basically. Yeah. As the night goes on, they leave, starts raining, obviously, Bruckheimer. And when Poe gets confronted by these men, he uses his military training to defend himself. Yeah. Now, he kills a man in self-defense. Okay. All he's trying to do is stop his wife being raped by three men and him probably being killed. But because of this, the judge says that he is a weapon i think the exact quote is that because of your training you have become a weapon in your own right yeah the judge instant character cast is ralph the dog <laughs> yeah it's 100%. <laughs> looks a little bit like a judge already because of his big ears 
Um, for some reason, he gets arrested in Alabama, but he gets sent to prison in California. Who cares? It's the 90s. It's action films. Yeah. Basically, eight years passes, Poe's up for parole, and he's going to get a flight home to see his wife and daughter. Yeah. The only problem is the plane ride is about to take is the plane ride from hell. <laughs> so what's happening in this film? They're opening up a super prison, and they want to transfer some of the worst criminals in history to said prison. Yeah. Along the way, they're going to be stopping in Carson City to pick up some more horrible prisoners. Yeah. This is uh, absolute stomping ground for Muppets to get involved. <laughs> yeah, there's so many prisoners, so many Muppets. Exactly. So the plane gets hijacked. It becomes like an in-flight battle between Poe and a guy called Cyrus the Virus. <laughs> Why is he called Cyrus the Virus? Can we just quickly get into that? Uh, listen, that will come. <laughs> that will come. There's a guy on the ground, John Cusack, very famous in the 90s, not done much since. Yeah. He has an ongoing battle with Colm Meany, the big Irish dude from a lot of gangster films, about the best way to bring the plane down. So Colm Meany is all about shooting it down, but Cusack thinks that Cameron Poe being on board means that it can be landed safely. So, first and foremost, we just keep Nick Cage in the film. 100%. Nick Cage plus Muppets equals money. Yeah. John Cusack, however, John Cusack is being replaced by Kermit the Frog. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! Agent Vince Larkin. So he's a good guy FBI agent who believes that Poe is the only man on the plane with a good soul. Yeah. There's a great bit when they're entering the plane, they're all chained together. And I think Colmini, similar to you, I'm, I'm throwing Sam Eagle in there. Yeah. Just a hard-nosed dickhead <laughs> of, a, of a Muppet. Yeah, Sam Eagle needs to be in any Muppet adaptation. Completely. And they do this perfect thing where they uh, introduce every single prisoner with a little bit of a backstory and a little bite-sized thing so that you know who's getting on that plane <laughs> yeah. is, a, is a dickhead. I'm going to talk you through them now, if you don't mind. So, John Malkovich, Cyrus the Virus, likes to brag that he's killed more men than cancer. So, for me, Malkovich is solid, but we need a solid Muppet to replace him. <laughs> yeah. Who's your go-to solid Muppet? God, says, which Muppet do I think has killed more men than cancer? That's a good question. I'm, I'm thinking Gonzo. Gonzo? Gonzo could handle a role as meaty as Malkovich. <laughs> Me? I think Gonzo as Cyrus the Virus is going to be fantastic. <laughs> what? As a side note... Right, this um, whole thing is a sign. <laughs> I, I hate to say it. I don't think cancer's a virus. But they couldn't have called him Cyrus the illness. <laughs> because otherwise that wouldn't have Yeah, rhymed. the alliteration doesn't quite work. No, no. <laughs> We've also got Steve Buscemi on board. Oh. He plays a guy called Garland Green, uh, a.k.a. the Marietta Mangler in the full Hannibal get-up. He's got, like, the, he's on the rack, his mouth's like tape shut yeah uh, and as the plane's going down later in the movie he sings he's got the whole world in his hands he's got the whole <laughs> world in his hands and i'm going to go back to what you said earlier beaker singing that is <laughs> fucking glorious <laughs> 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 and he also looks a bit like steve buscemi that is a visual upgrade from steve buscemi massively and steve if you're listening bloody love you but yeah he looks like a muppet sneeze and they just went keep it low <laughs> yeah very much so we've also got danny trejo very famous actor he plays johnny 23 
just going to put him as animal. Yeah, animal. Enough said. Solid. Uh, Dave Chappelle plays a guy called Pinball Parker. I'm thinking Rizzo the Rat. <laughs> Rizzo the Rat, he sets fire to an Indian prisoner um, on the plane. Uh, the Indian himself is called the Chief. He doesn't get much of a sort of... A Native act. American prisoner. <laughs> sorry, sorry, yeah. Native American. Um, he doesn't get much of a, a thing, but we're going to put him as Bobo. Yeah. Bobo yeah. He needs to be a big guy. He needs to be set on fire to make the whole thing go kaput. Yeah, and of the uh, Muppets, Bobo is certainly the most flammable in my eyes. Yes. Now, two of my favourite Muppets characters of all time. Probably yours as well. Probably everyone's. Statler and Waldorf. Yeah, 100. These two, I was going to initially make them the pilots of the plane, but the pilots die quite early. Yeah, not enough screen time. So I think new cast, you just have Statler and Waldorf cracking wise <laughs> as the plane gets taken out of it. Yeah, they're just... <laughs> they're just up on like a higher seat for some reason in the plane, and they're just like, oh, I wouldn't have opened that door. <laughs> yeah, just fully like... There's a theatre-like box at the top. Yeah. His bloodshed is lowering at the altitude. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Oh, this plane's it. dropping faster than his bloodshed. <laughs> 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 so that then two are sorted. Now, when they make their fuel landing spot and there's a fight, a really uh, infamous fight scene in Con Air where Nick Cage fights some convicts because they find out that he's trying to maybe, like, liaise with the FBI. Mm. And this would be amazing if my original plan of keeping Nick Cage as Nick Cage stays, but the convicts who are trying to kill him are Muppets. Oh, yeah, like all side characters. <laughs> yeah, and he just fucking boots them through, like, wooden pallets, through windows, kicks the shit out of them, basically. And he's giving the performance of his lifetime. He genuinely looks like he fears for his life as Completely. he slaps these bits of felt around. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And there's a glorious bit in this scene where Cameron Poe, played by Nick Cage, meets with Larkin, Agent Larkin, played by Kermit the Frog. <laughs> and Larkin says to Poe, where are you going? And Poe turns around, but you've got to think now it's to Kermit the Frog. <laughs> and he says, where do you think I'm going? I'm going to save the fucking day. <laughs> and Kermit's nose at this point would do that little crinkle. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his little nose would crinkle and scrunch. And that would be one of the most poignant things in cinematic history. Um, there's a cross-dressing character on the plane, so uh, a black guy who pretends that he's a woman or, or has become a woman in prison. Just Pepe the King Prawn for me. Done. Yeah, I can see it. Trisha Poe is Cameron Poe's wife. She's on the ground. She's uh, liaising quite a bit with Kermit at this point because she's like, don't shoot the plane down. My husband's on board. Okay, I can see where this is going. Well, they have a little daughter. So I'm thinking Miss Piggy is Nicolas Cage's wife. Yes. And there's a baby piglet as, as Nicolas Cage's and Miss Piggy's son or daughter. <laughs> I think it's a daughter. <laughs> there's also a great bit at the beginning of the film where Poe is waiting for parole and he has a picture of his wife and kid. Yeah, <laughs> and I think if he's sat there holding that, and it's Miss Piggy, and a piglet Muppet, yeah, done, one hundred percent. There's also a great scene where Nicholas Cage goes down to like the holding area of the plane, and he finds that one of the other convicts finds a lot of his stuff, and he's holding this bunny that he's got for his daughter, 
Yeah. And one of the famous lines from Con Air is, put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> and I'm thinking, the Muppet holding the bunny is a Muppet, and he's also holding a Muppet bunny. <laughs> Okay, how many levels of Muppets are we going? We're going deep in the Muppets. We're going deep in the Muppets. Yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. Don't. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Guys, we're going to get straight into our guest this week. It's Paul Ingram. We need a main character this yeah. episode. Jesus. Otherwise, we are really, really, really in trouble. But yeah, here we go. So we are here with our guest this week, comedian and improviser, Paul Ingram. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Lovely to have you on the pod, digging the Looney Tunes Space Jam jumper that you've got yeah. on today. Thanks, my uh, fiance got it for me. Whereabouts are you coming to us from, Paul, today? Uh, I'm in Chilton. Mm. Uh, Lovely part of Manchester. And so you and Joe know each other through the improv scene i take it and you do a little bit of improv yourself um as a duo and also via a podcast now is that right that's right yeah so uh the duo's pom it's me and tom so we mashed our names together great pom nice. uh, which yeah. is a weird show have you seen uh joe have you seen us do pom yes i have seen pom it's very <laughs> how do you best explain pom we're basically superior beings pom and we're one we are one person and everyone else is dirty non-poms, and we're super aggressive to the audience. We come on, we come on chanting pom, and getting the crowd to shout pom, uh, and we like read people's futures and that sort of weird, weird stuff. And like, yeah, it's kind of, and I'm saying this in the best ways possible. It's got a weird cult leader vibe to it, which I kind of like. Oh yeah, yeah. We do like a cleansing at someone on stage, and we find their elements and, and cleanse them from the. The sins and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love the sound of that. So obviously you've been a bit of a victim, as most people have, of lockdown in terms of performing. Have you got much lined up for when things go back to normal? I know that like sort of open out outdoor gigs are back soon. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, another group part of Improv On Demand, we've been to Edinburgh Fringe in 18 and 19. I think last year we might have done some sort of online recording for it, but I didn't pay so much attention. I wasn't doing that much online at the time. And this year, I think they're doing maybe remote. So we'll record ourselves as a group and maybe we'll send it. So uh, I'm not sure, but I think we're going to build up to that for in August. So we're going to start doing some more improv with those guys again. Awesome. I think you are the first sort of true improviser we've had on the podcast and it's going to lend itself very nicely to what we're looking for here. Yeah. We've... We've had a number of guests on before you, so we're not going to tell you exactly where you are, Paul, but you are quite late in the running. Oh, yeah. Let's just say there's a situation so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. um, I have full faith in you. Completely. You've had a little look at the possibilities of what you may land on. Okay, so every week I ask what they'd like to land on. Yeah, <laughs> they answer, and it's ultimately not that. So I'm going to flip it this week with you, Paul. I'm going to say, is there anything there that you ultimately don't want? Uh, I don't mind. I, I don't mind. I'm, I'm open, easily pleased. Okay, again, that'll work well. 
Yeah. This will you'll, you'll get it. We'll read it out to you and you'll just go, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Not that one. Yeah. We like to look, get to know our guest a little bit before we get to that point. When you're watching TV, when you're watching films, obviously I know you're wearing a Space Jam jumper, but I'm going to guess that your palette's a little bit broader. What, what are you sort of watching <laughs> at the minute? What are you digging? Well, uh, at the moment, I started watching um, Line of Duty, uh, which is like massive, and I had no idea. I never really heard of it, uh, and then we started watching it. And I've noticed it's everywhere. Maybe just in the UK. I don't know if it's an international thing, but it's, it's so good. I can't believe I've... I'm kind of happy I didn't miss it because there's so many like mysteries and I can just like power through each season. Are you are you up to date now, Paul? Not quite. I'm almost finished season five, which was the last one, wasn't it? I think. I think so. Yeah. And it's oh, it's so intense. It's it's the best. How are you at keeping up with all the acronyms? Uh, <laughs> there are too many. <laughs> too many. <laughs> I just love Hastings, um, Mother Mary of God. <laughs> yeah. Nice six, Steve. Ben Coppers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So me and my partner have been watching that during lockdown. I, it's weird. I don't like it, but I've seen all of it. Oh. I've kind of started watching it almost as a parody of itself now. I don't really? know if you've ever seen Touch of Cloth that Charlie Brooker <laughs> did. It just reminds me so much of that, that it's unreal. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really like huge at the minute. It just seems to be the show that everybody's watched. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as a result, Joe hasn't seen it. Yeah. I heard of, I've only heard of Line of Duty this year. So, oh, okay, cool new uh, British crime drama. Going back, like, oh, yeah, you got four seasons to catch up on. No one was asked about it then, though. I fucking, I don't have enough time in my day. Like, with my, the, my finite time on Earth, I can't watch any more cop shows. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've watched, watched a lot of TV during lockdown. Mm. I think I started watching it, started lockdown watching Peaky Blinders, and that feels like a generation ago. Now, Peaky Blinders is the one that, um, I'll say it, every person that I'm glad I don't talk to anymore from school likes a good Peaky Blinders meme. Is that fair to say? (laughs) I think it started off pretty good and got good, and then it almost became a parody of itself. It became, like, so... Unreal and, and bizarre, like, yeah. Some people love it though. It's like the best show of all time for them. I'm like, yeah, it's good, but yeah. I think uh, the fan base took a turn when fascist leader Oswald Mosley uh, came into it, and he wasn't a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's another one that I I was into, and then I've only seen up to where like Tom Hardy comes in, uh, and then I've oh, yeah. I've kind of like stopped watching it from that point, but not because of him just because some of the accents are a little bit sketchy. Obviously, you know, uh, rest in peace to Helen McCrory as well, who passed away this week, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, shit, uh, she, yeah. She was Aunt Paul, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, what is it, like five seasons, six seasons? Yeah, five and one more to come out, I think. But Tom Hardy, I'm happy you mentioned that, because when he came in, I'm like, is Tom Hardy taking the piss? Is mm. <laughs> he, like, actually taking the piss with this character? I'm like, what's going on with it? Yeah, he, he almost acted too well in it. The book where you're like, is he mocking them? <laughs> Tom Hardy, every time I see him in some, I think he, he's a fine guy. He just goes on set and, right, I'm a hard man, I get that. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't. 
Uh, can I do a funny voice, though? Uh, no, no, Tom, not for this one. <laughs> well, I'm going to do a bit of a funny voice anyway. Can I? <laughs> what is... It's like no one can stop him because he looks hard as fuck. And he just yeah. go like, oh, can I speak like this for this one? Uh, do you ever watch Lawless? <laughs> no. That, that's the first film I noticed when Tom Hardy started doing some weird sort of grunt speaking. <laughs> and since then, he's been like, oh, that was good. I'll do it every single film I ever do. <laughs> yeah, he, lo- he loves he loves an odd voice. I think... He got so much uh, adoration from the public for his performance as Bane, yeah, that he felt like he needed to do that kind of thing in everything. And it's like, well, the Bane thing works because you're wearing a mask that keeps you alive, but when you're just a, a Jewish hard man <laughs> in 1930s Birmingham or wherever it is, yeah, I will get back on with that though. So you like a little bit of mystery, a little bit of gangster stuff. What about the opposite? Like, what do you kind of just like massively avoid? Is there anything that you just you just walk in, your your flatmates watching it on telly, and you just think, no? She started watching. I think it's called like Love Love Life or something. It's with is it Anna Kendrick? Is that her name? Yeah, it's perfect. And it's such like a lovely twee love story about. It's just not really fan of that stuff. It feels a bit too fake. You know what horrors? I'm not can't get on board of horrors too much. I find they, they play my mind too much. The amount of times I go to the bathroom and I wash my face in the middle of the night and I'm like, Bala Cook, there's someone in the mirror behind me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the amount of times you wake up in the night to wash your face. Oh, <laughs> you know, sometimes, yeah. I'm in the bathroom, I have to wash my face. And, uh... Agreed. I, I absolutely hate being scared of my own bathroom. Like I try and avoid quite a lot of horrors because you just want to go for a piss. You don't want the yeah. fear of like catching a glimpse of something either run past you yeah. or in the mirror. You just yeah, like yeah. I'd rather wet the bed. Yeah, rather wet the bed. It's not. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not. I oftentimes in the shower, like oh, doing the shampoo. Mm. Once those eyes get closed the first time, it's like, well, <laughs> <laughs> anything <laughs> could happen. Yeah, it looks like this to me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, dicing with death every shower. Oh, it's awful. And also, while we're on the subject of uh, being scared of your own house, I don't know why. This is only recently. I think it must have been because I was watching all those Ari Aster, like, brilliant horror films. Sound of my uh, washing machine going. Scares the shit out of me. No idea. Always feel like something's going to creep up behind using it as cover. (laughs) Like, absolutely haunting. It's all right, we'll cut this bit out, mate. I just, want to, <laughs> I just wanted to speak about that because I can't afford a therapist. <laughs> okay, so you're not a fan of sort of like overly lovey-dovey loveliness? Don't get me wrong, though. I like a good rom-com if they're a bit silly and daft. If when the show's too up itself, then it's a bit like, oh, I can't get on board with a pretentious like, up itself show. So now comes uh, one of my favourite parts of the pod. We are going to have you spin the wheel. No. Oh, yeah, I know. Very exciting. <laughs> suggestive. <And> suggestive. <laughs> oh. Oh. Is there a random prize one, like if we land on winning a million pounds? Is that an option as well? We, we took that out after week one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Week one, someone did land on it. Bankrupted <laughs> <Yeah>. us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you're going to go over with Joe. You're going to spin the wheel. 
and we're going to see what you land on this week paul so i'm excited me too excellent if you'd like to come over with me we'll get it done has stopped yes another week has gone by and we have landed this week for you paul on love interest interesting yeah that is interesting based on your earlier comments but just straight off the bat we'll ask you what what are you thinking in terms of love interest what where does your mind wander to i like oh like an unexpected love interest you know sometimes like an obvious obvious choice who you're gonna get all the while, there's like somebody else behind who actually is the one you end up with. Ah, uh, the the girl who wears her hair up and has glasses, but in the final <laughs> act, she takes them off, like flicks her hair around. She's beautiful. Oh, if only she was not a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a, a good friend or something, maybe like something like that. Okay, so when I think uh, of a love interest, Mary Elizabeth Winstead in Scott Pilgrim vs. World. I, th- I think that's uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. World, maybe my favourite love story. Because uh, <laughs> that film is just a love story, so you're going in with a very built-up kind of... Not only is she the love interest, but she's kind of a bit of a bitch throughout it. Do you think... Um, you take any elements of that, like kind of a, a, a the meaner side of love interest. I I'm not no. I'm gonna not take any of that side. Now, speaking yeah. while you were speaking there as well, how I don't like. I guess like almost old school sort of love interest. You ever seen like the Notebook? And is it Ryan Gosling threatens to jump off off his uh what's he called his wheels at a fun fair? Oh, the, oh, the Ferris, Ferris wheel. Yeah, that is yeah, really toxic. Yeah, sometimes he threatens to jump off and Les goes on a date with him. It's like, that's not how you want to start any relationship. No. Like, threaten you Com- kill yourself. Like. Completely <laughs> agree. And it, it, it's painted as such a charming thing in the film. Yeah. That whole film is just them two slapping the fuck out of each other in the street. Yeah. And then, and then having sex a minute later. And it's kind of like, oh, isn't this wonderful and wacky? Like, it's yeah. awful. And yeah, he, he literally hangs off a Ferris wheel and says, I'll let go if you don't go out with me. And it's like, oh. Yeah. What a lovely guy. Like, that is mental. <laughs> yeah, that is horrible. Man, are there any Ferris wheels near me? <laughs> uh, I I think we have enough uh, background info. Let's start actually developing this, uh, this love interest. Obviously, tough job. You don't know anything else about the story. Yeah. But let's... Um, yeah, tough's an understatement. Yes. <laughs> Paul knows nothing of what's gone on. And it's like, so who is it then, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> and we, Come on, out, out with it. Well, we, we know, so we can puppet master this along if needed. So we're, uh, we're saying um, the out of left field choice. It's a side character who is kind of going, not the obvious you don't expect love to blossom there. 
Yeah, not someone who's like up themselves or like thinks they're amazing. Maybe like like say the, the friends who are really nice to them. It's like a healthy relationship rather than this weird chase me. I like to be chased. Yeah, kill myself unless you date me. Sort of. Yeah, that will will put a big line under that. No threats of suicide. <laughs> yeah, not sexy. Okay, so um, how do they? know the protagonist is this going to be like a childhood friend sort of jam or good question uh yeah how would they first oh yeah how would they first meet i think they met later in life we're gonna go with i don't know how old the guys you are you've made but i'm gonna say like mid-20s sort of okay um it's like i post university i think university sometimes can meet and you grow so much from that period maybe like after after that um, yeah maybe doing a hobby or maybe at work or something we can meet there okay so they've not really had like the the memories of growing up together but they've rounded themselves off to the point now where they're they're meeting and they're compatible yeah 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 yeah. okay i mean obvious question without knowing too much yourself uh, male or female no, in my head, I imagined a female because the male being protagonist, but that's just very sexist of me, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll cut that out, don't worry. <laughs> hey, Last thing we I didn't say it. to get cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have the, the main character? Is Have you they got a gender or is it not? Um, I... Does it doesn't matter? I guess. Decline. Yeah, I, I'd say it doesn't matter, but also I decline to answer that question, I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, without and my ha- lawyer present. Having only known you for 47 minutes, Paul, I'm going to say, none of your fucking business, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to assign a gender to his love interest, or you just want to let it sort of happen? Or let the viewer uh, imagine their own gender onto it? What we'd like you to do is, it, it's your baby, this. It's going to yeah. happen. It's going to go in the story as concrete. So... It's really tough. I think you've got one of the tougher categories, definitely. But you've already spoken to us about how they've met. You're thinking it's a woman, which, you know, that's fine. Tell us a little bit about this character then. So they're they're quite friendly towards the protagonist. Are they helping them constantly? Are they a bit of a shoulder or are they more like a sidekick? Like, are we talking relatives? Or is it not, not that weird? <laughs> not that weird, no. That I was going to okay. say, um, they're very much side character, but they're not just like a sidekick. They have their own life going on, their own things happening. It's yeah. not just all about the main person, you know. Well, uh, uh, when you're saying they've got their own things, yeah, like, um, is there a particular skill or um, a wealth of knowledge they have that could help drive the protagonist's journey? They are a gold medalist at the Winter Olympics. <laughs> yes! <laughs> this is what I like to hear. Yeah. But that's I not the story. That. That's just like a side thing. Off yeah. screen, they just won the Olympics. Yeah. Came back, had a medal on. Didn't even mention it, really. Yeah. Had a medal on, like, no big deal. Okay, so they wear it, but they never acknowledge it to other people. Yeah. 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 It's fresh, <laughs> isn't it? When it's fresh medal, you got to wear it a little bit. Okay. <laughs> and uh, just out of interest, which Olympics and which sport? Uh, winter and I want to say... Sorry, no, I know, it was, I, know it was, I know it was the winter. Which year, I mean... Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> which year? 
Oh God, I don't know when. The last one, did you say? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the last one. Yeah, last one. Uh, and the skeleton. Is that what we call it? On, on like the the baking tray, effectively going down. Oh, okay. Oh, d- yeah. The is that a skeleton or the is that luge? No, my knowledge of winter <laughs> is minimal. No, it's skeleton. You're right. Oh my god. Okay, so um, a bit of a thrill seeker, I'm going to say. Um, unless this was just kind of a phase, like, oh, my dad really wanted me to get into skeleton, but I bloody hate it. <laughs> no, um, actually, I think her dad uh, was against it. I thought she was going to something a bit more safe. Um, she was like, you know what? I like this. This is my passion, so I'm going to do it. Oh, it. yes. I love it. Well, Just for, and- our, for our listeners at home as well, uh, Paul is our first guest who has uh, a beard that is so full that it can be stroked while he thinks. <laughs> and so throughout this first part of this podcast, he's been given it. And yeah, Winter Olympics, skeleton gold medalist has come out of literally yeah. nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> It's the beard, the power of the beard. Any trim it, it's got too much now. Um, but I like stroking it too much, really. I should stop touching it. Well, I'm glad that you've saved trimming it until you've come on this podcast because I think it's definitely helped. So, okay. It's such a non-transferable skill as well, I guess, being <laughs> Like, what... We're, we try and weave in some of the character traits into other parts of the story. And I'm just thinking, like, at what point would a character need to... Skeleton... Is that like, <laughs> is that the verb? Maybe the the final um, sequence of the of the story is she has to get down at Ice Mountain really quickly, and there's only a baking tray to use. <laughs> yeah. I but also, but we need to get back to the. You've also said this is just like a side thing. She doesn't really. <laughs> she's not really talking about this. She's wearing the medal constantly. Yeah. If someone points at it and goes, "Hey, is that, a, is that Olympic gold medal?" Is she just going? Uh, yeah, I won it uh, in the last Olympics on the uh, doing the skeleton, and then just go anyway. Uh, yeah, I'll have a large latte. Yes, pretty like, much. You might even be like, actually, I don't want to talk about it. Actually, so. I don't yeah. have attention to myself, so I just don't. Okay. She doesn't want to bring attention to herself. She's wearing a gold medal wherever she goes. <laughs> Can't go yeah. anywhere without people bringing it up. Yeah. Just leave it at home then. <laughs> yeah. I don't ask you about your gold medals, do I? <laughs> we like to ask as well. Uh, there is a budget for this. Who are you first thinking of? when you think of this character to play them, casting-wise, who's in your head as this skeleton gold medalist? Uh, oh. First I'm thinking of isn't who I wanted the player at all, but Anne Hathaway, kind of. I don't like Anne Hathaway very much, but that sort of, that sort of uh, feel going on. Yeah, Anne Hathaway is definitely someone, if she... I imagine she's carrying around like a fucking Oscar every now and then. <laughs> oh, this, uh, yeah, got best uh, support actress. Yeah. A large latte, please. <laughs> <laughs> Where is this coffee house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Anne Hathaway is the kind of person who uh, will rock up at a party and just be like, "What? You, you want me to do a number from Les Misérables?" It's like, "No, no, it's fine. We've got we've got music on. I've, I've got a playlist put together." Once. You want me to sing from the film? It's like, <laughs> no, Anne. Honestly, we've we've got the music. So, oh, fine. 
and then just breaks out into uh, I dream a dream or whatever. <laughs> Don't cry for me, Argentina. What? <laughs> that wasn't even England, Miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Hathaway, I can see. We do ask as well, then, as a bit of a side question to this, should we be unable to afford Anne Hathaway? Mm. Think, think budget here. Who Who's just your next go-to? We say that, but some big Hollywood stars like to do small indies now and again. Um, so it could be like a, a passion project for her. Okay. Um, someone else, I don't know uh, if it was someone cheaper. Um, well, what about the the your one from Line of Duty, Kate? Yeah. She could be a skeleton. Uh, she could, yeah, she's a badass. She could definitely be a skeleton. Yeah, maybe go with that. That's quite good. She got like the the short hair for Streamline. She's mm-hmm. she's a believable Olympian, I think. She is, you know. That's actually might be better casting than Anne Hathaway. Vicky <laughs> McClure. That's the one. I was just about to say I couldn't tell you her name, but yeah, it is Vicky McClure. I mean, she looks like she could maybe be an Olympian. Hmm. 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 I don't. She. Yeah. Do you know what? I don't see her playing the skeleton. She looks like she'd be. Very good at tennis. Yeah, I don't think that's a Winter Olympic sport, though. <laughs> winter tennis. Is it yeah. not? <laughs> where Where did this uh, Winter Olympics come from, Paul? Have you, do you, are you a fan of the, these games? Uh, not particularly, no. No, lovely. Just completely, <laughs> completely plucked out of thin air. Marvellous. I respect it, though. I mean, doing that stuff is insane, so... Yeah, I mean, playing tennis in the snow, it's fucking tough (laughs) (laughs) on the side of a mountain. (laughs) We have to ask then, because we've developed the the skeleton aspect of her so much, and so far we've also established she doesn't want to talk about it. (laughs) Uh, What's she doing now? Uh, Since she's left, um, also just... Did we get a location for the last Winter Olympics? So they were in South Korea. So uh, what what is our character doing now that she, she's won her medal, she wears it everywhere she goes, what's she doing now? Just a little side note, sorry, before we carry <laughs> on. At the 2018 Winter Olympics in South Korea, Great Britain only won one gold medal. And it was her. And it was her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the skeleton. Yeah, it basically well. writes itself. <laughs> um, well, as the sole gold medal winner, obviously she's uh, got all of the UK um, sponsorship money. So she's like on <laughs> cereal boxes, <laughs> Alpro, you know the Alpro, like the soya milk and yogurt company? She's like the main client now. She's like on all the yogurts and, and, and milk. Yeah. Um, Weetabix had it for a little bit. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. It's so so uh, now her sole source of income because of the popularity of Skeleton in the UK, all she does is make money from being the face of various, may I say, competing uh, <laughs> breakfast food brands. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, she brought that gold home, mate. Yeah, and no, no, no. Also, she's the face of all these brands. 
and she does not want to talk about her spirit <laughs> in skeleton. <laughs> Is this what? I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Get Alfred on the phone and tell him I'll do it, but I don't want it bringing up. Yeah. And she um she also does like uh you know like it was an event when they bring someone on to present it and do a little talk. Yeah. She'll do them, but she's trying to talk about other things. She won't talk about the Winter Olympics. <laughs> yes. much. You know, she'll okay. mention it a bit like, oh yes, I'm I want to go medal. What I want to speak to you about is um the, <laughs> the state of affairs in um Tibet. <laughs> okay. So she's using it as a as a vehicle for uh, bettering Tibet. Oh, I think we've got to go back to Hathaway then. This sounds so Hathaway. <laughs> this is brilliant. I love the um, the inner conflict of the character because may I remind you as well, her dad wanted her to do a safer sport. She chose skeleton because it was her passion. So good, won a gold. Where's the uh, gold medal with pride? Huge, lucrative sponsorship deal. Skeleton has never been more popular. Fucking hates talking about it. <laughs> Just absolutely has no time for talking about Skeleton. Just want the attention. Just want the attention, you know? Oh, I love this character just because of the sheer amount of internal conflict. Like, I... Yeah, throw throw a name throw a name out there, Paul, because I feel like she's she's already quite well rounded. We need to just start referring to her by name. A name, okay. Um, mm, Margaret Catskin. Margaret Catskin. <laughs> Is that with a K or a C? Uh, that's with a K. Margaret Catskin. Okay. And you mentioned as well earlier that you quite like the idea that maybe the main character has has always had this person in front of their face, but never really known it. Is this because he's eating the cereal that has her face on it? Or is it because <laughs> he knows her personally? Because I'm thinking the more we talk about it, maybe that he just argues with his wife every day, but he's always, you know, having Weetabix for breakfast and there's a big smiling face of Margaret Catskin on the front. That does sound quite good. I can't, I don't know what this guy's job is or this person's job. But maybe they work at the uh, Alpro and they actually—they're employing her to be on on the boxes. Oh, okay, a working relationship. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, write that down. Yeah, right, write that one down. <laughs> I think that we have quite a well-rounded character. Um, do you want? Do you have any uh, late additions you'd like to make? Uh, oh, maybe her great-grandmother was a skeleton athlete as well, but crashed, and that's why her dad doesn't want her to do it, because um, uh, she was injured during it. So, so Margaret Katskin is in the bag. <laughs> what we're going to do is take a little short break, and when we come back, mm. certainly Joe's favourite part of the show, bit of a personal headache for me, but we talk you through what's happened so far. And then all we ask is that you connect some dots and we find out how Margaret Catskin can fully get involved with what's happened so far. Sounds good.
Welcome back, everybody. This is the Now Accepting Offers podcast. Uh, I'm here, Steve, with Joe, as always, and we are back with our charming guest, one half of POM and Improv On Demand. It's the lovely Paul Ingram. Welcome back, Paul. Hello. You've given us a very well-rounded character, certainly a lot of backstory and a lot of of personal demons, Uh, but (laughs) it's now time for us to let you know what's happened thus far. So, Joe? Hi, listener. It's Joe here in the edit. You've heard all of this a couple of times over, but we need to do at least a bit of explaining for our guest here. So um, if you just hold back a second, we'll get through this together. He's moved out to the city. He's not into farming anymore, but um, he's got a cow house, so all's good. Oh, also the uh, the barn's haunted. Who is the uh, the fishy microwave man? I'm sure from this point it gets normal, doesn't it? It goes back to normal again. The only person that can defeat Jane McDonald slash Henry the Sixth is Richard the Third. Well, the ghost of Richard the Third. Uh, but we did manage to pin him down to a revenge thriller. Uh, so Tobias is an art dealer who has a bit of a dark past. He went to prison for a bit, which is where he met our protagonist. Water off a duck's back for Paul. Yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah, Dungeon Sex Party, carry on. Where else would it be? Exactly. I think he pulls this spoon out of his pocket. He breathes on the back of it, and that's how he knows if ghosts are present. (laughs) Friedrich the goblin archer wakes up and prepares to fight the troll. Basically, there's an alternate reality, apparently goblins. So, all this to say, Paul, is that you're our eighth guest. (laughs) You've landed on love interest. You'll be probably aware at this point that there is still no main character yeah it's a big issue at the moment it is and unfortunately uh without giving the goose away it's the only thing left to pick (laughs) (laughs) having been told what you've been told knowing what you know now talk to me about mk old margaret catskin and her involvement in the goblin, nether realm, art dealing, spoon breathing, scouse pole world. Well, I think it, it fits quite obviously and neatly, um, to be honest with you. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Very simply, um, MK is trying to resurrect her, her dead grandma. So she's done skeleton and she's doing these endorsements to get money to buy the art. Once she gets the art, she can summon her dead grandma. Uh, that's why she doesn't want to talk about all these skeletons. She doesn't actually like it. She doesn't actually care about endorsements. She just wants that art. She just wants her grandmother. That's amazing. That would really explain why that she isn't wanting to be proud of it. Yeah. She's just doing it for the money. She just wants her grandma back. That's it. Hey, hang on. Oh, God, that is not where I saw. That is not where I thought that would go. Hang on. How how can she summon her grandmother through art? Just any, is this just any old art? Like she picks up a Jackson Pollock and then goes. Oh, oh. Did, you, did you say the ghosts are summoned through art? Or did I miss it? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's hen. So the idea Joe, is, that... Joe, are you telling me that you're not familiar with the old Winter Olympic portrait they do at the end of the 
Oh yeah, yeah, the big oil paints. <laughs> yeah, you can. I think I could reliably, if I googled it, find a painting of Richard the Third and Henry the Sixth. I don't think I could find a painting of a gold medalist skeleton's grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Paul. Talk to us. How how is the grandmother being summoned? Because you've uh, well, our doorstep now. You know, it's like you said. There's when she when the grandma did Winter Olympics in like the seventies or maybe eighties. It just so happened to coincide with the uh, yearly oil painting convention. Yeah. Um, so they were just getting oil paintings done just left, right and centre. Uh, and she's trying to hunt them down because there's, there's, there's some out there still. Okay. Um, no, I, okay, I can see that. I, I suppose one big question is, because I don't think a love interest necessarily has to... I'm almost feeling like this could be a love interest to Tobias, Brad Pitt's character. Because oh. you've got the link of the art there, then. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts on that, maybe? Or do you want a centre stage? No, I'm I'm smooching on the main guy here. Remind me, is Tobias the, the villain, or just...? Tobias is the art... So he is... Um, the friend I've been listening. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I must have just lost connection for a second there. Um, Tobias is the uh, sidekick to the okay. protagonist. He's Brad Pitt. He's an art dealer. He's going. He uh, was going to, in the end, manage to uh, acquire these paintings so that Richard the Third could finally fight uh, Jane uh, Henry the Sixth and Jane Macdonald's body. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm, I like this. This is like a Harry Potter sort of love triangle thing where Harry doesn't get with Hermione. It's the, the sidekick. It's the... Yes. It Ronald. It's Ron. Ron, yeah. Okay. I like it. And so are we teasing main character in MK for the, almost the entire season? And at the very last minute, it's like, hello, Tobias. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he is... You know, Schofield slash Pitt sexy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Hathaway and Schofield, I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Sharing a kiss over a dead grandmother's oil painting. I, by, by the way, I need to circle back to this yearly oil painting. <laughs> this is, uh, th- this could be its own spin off series entirely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a classic case of door booking. They must have door booked the same hotel or same <laughs> yeah. center or something in South Korea. Oh no, wait, no, it's a, it's a different one. Sorry, it's the grandmother's Olympics. They, yeah, they can be wherever we need them to be. I like to think that in this hotel there is a room where a Winter Olympic team are being painted, and they're all a bit too nervous to say anything. And then at the start line of like the ski jump, there's just a bunch of royals <laughs> on like the wrong bus. Yeah. They're all like, <laughs> oh wait, we're supposed to be being painted right now. <laughs> there's there is a uh obvious question here when you're saying that she is trying to resurrect her dead grandmother, is this a thing that happens where like it it's a reveal of oh god 
she knew we were trying to kill Henry the Sixth, but she's going to try and you kind of uh, almost as a usurping of the original plan. That may be kind of um, that's like a third act. Like, oh, we're just about to win. Oh no, something happens that spoils the plan. Is that how you see that reveal coming? So what do you mean, like double-crossing Tobias, who's trying to get... Yeah, almost, yeah. If it makes you feel better, Paul, I, I've been uh, present since episode one for every episode, and even I don't understand Joe's question. <laughs> <laughs> so in... Don't overcomplicate it for the guest, Joe. All right, yeah, we'll... we'll... The guys come with a surname. <laughs> yeah. Let's... Let's just dial it back. I I love the idea of Margaret and Tobias in the end being together. She just wants to resurrect her dead granny through art. Don't we all? Yeah. We try and ask every guest once we've told them everything. There is only really one thing left to decipher here, Paul. It's a main character. You're not going to have control over this. That will be our next guest. But the last piece of the puzzle is, bizarrely enough, the main character of the entire thing. Yeah. Who would you like to see? As an actor or just the character? Like what? Just just a bit of a general... You've, you, I mean, you've beautifully tied in Margaret yeah. to this story so far, somehow. Again, I think your improv skills are on display <laughs> tenfold here. But, yeah, you're not going to be on next week's show. Someone else will be. They will land finally on this last element, or the £1 million. But, yeah. hey, hey. but no one's going to get that twice, surely. <laughs> no, surely. I can't afford it, man. Um, but, yeah, who would you like to see as this, like, final piece of the puzzle? How, how would you see it all just being tied together beautifully in the end? Because now that Margaret is not your main guy's woman. Mm. That, is, that is an insanely tough question. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't even know where to begin. Joe, start the timer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh God, maybe it's the historian who who actually wants to speak to these people to learn about history and gets a bit like in too deep into this world of ghosts and is kind of like, oh, actually, maybe this is too far. Okay, like a, nice. a reluctant hero. Yeah, they, they start with like a, a good purpose just to learn and then, you know, it escalates and escalates and escalates. Suddenly they're in like, you know, this weird art crime. I guess it's crime. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking Tom Hanks, Da Vinci Code, Nick Cage got, uh, uh-huh. what's it called? Uh, the stupid history thing where... National Treasure. National Treasure, yeah. Yeah, that yeah, would be a perfect main fodder, wouldn't it? Some guy who's... Clueless but bankable. Yeah. So just completely clueless, uh historian, fresh out of prison with his art forged friend. (laughs) And he also has a butler. Oh yeah. Yeah, I love it. That was a tough question, Paul. Sorry. (laughs) Noted. Maybe they, they found love of history in prison. Like they went to the library one day. And a book fell off the shelf and it was history book. And then they just sort of got into it. And it was a ghost. It was a ghost that pushed the book off. Catskin's grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. 
Oh god, there's too many ghosts in this. I'm fucking sick. We know, we know there are too many ghosts. Yeah. Well, excellent. I yeah. think that's brilliant. I'm chuffed with that. Uh thank you very much, Paul, for powering through this with us because Jesus Christ, like our last guest had we couldn't release the episode because I had an aneurysm. I'm excited to see it on Netflix um soon. Well, of course. Uh how do you feel maybe... about seeing it on my five or four yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, their this their streaming uh platform is better than the channel four one. So Shots fired. Uh, bonus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Channel 4, if you're listening, I've never had any issues with your streaming platform. <laughs> uh, I've got a couple of side projects I'm working on. Uh, <laughs> my full phone number and home address is in the show notes. Okay. Well, that is a wrap, I think, Paul. It's been a pleasure listening to your thoughts. And just before you go today, is there anything that you'd like to plug? I know that we've spoken a little bit briefly about some of your podcasts and some of your things coming up. Uh, so yeah, talk to us, guys. Where, where can the listeners find you and, and hear you? Well, I've got that uh, improv podcast, which is a take two podcast, which is only on SoundCloud. Yeah, and I also do other. I do a basketball podcast as well. I didn't mention this earlier, um, called Get Buckets. Where we talk things NBA. So any basketball fans out there, then uh... excellent. Well, thank you very much for coming on, Paul. And thank you very much, Steve, as well. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much to both of you for being part of this. And yeah, on we go on the story rolls. See ya. See you later, guys. Bye.